Hello and welcome to Soldier's Podcast, episode number 119. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. No Zoner, and I'm Zook. Zoner can't uh, join us, and uh, we hope everyone had a really happy and really safe 4th of July. Uh, we had a nice, wonderful time here, and now we're having a lightning storm. So we're getting more fireworks from Mother Nature. So if one of us drops off su- suddenly, it's because we've just lost power. <laughs> uh, shout out to our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, uh, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Also, heads up again, we're going to drill this into you till you guys all buy tickets, saltlakecomiccon.com. Salt- Comic-Con is coming to Salt Lake. We will be one of the honored cities to have an actual Comic-Con of our own. We just got a bunch of new guests actually have signed up. We are excited to see them. It's going to be pretty awesome. There's a Walking Dead one. Uh, the Yellow Ranger from Power Rangers is going to be there. The nice Yellow uh, Ranger, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, still waiting to hear on a Doctor Who guest. We got our fingers crossed on that. Yep, so we are excited. Check out SaltLakeComicCon.com for your tickets. Um, we'll be there. Many other people you probably want to see more are going to be there. We'll sign something, you know. Yes, we will sign stuff. And we won't charge as much as the other guys will. Oh, we're going to charge? <laughs> I, hey, we got to make some money somehow. <laughs> I was just hoping people wouldn't call a restraining order on us. Show us. Well, the Yellow Ranger might to you, but <laughs> show us where the geek touched you with the marker. Um, <laughs> he said he'd sign my sausage. <laughs> no, you don't understand. Oh, it's an inside wow. joke. You don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> we are known for our sausage here on Stolen Droids podcast. Okay, uh, in that sounded so wrong. Schmitty is about to lose it there on the camera. <laughs> Think for mute. <laughs> okay, into our headlines. We have a really odd motley assortment of headlines this week, uh, namely because we did have the holiday, which throws things off, and because a lot of it is just a rehash of what we've already talked about, but with some additional details coming out. First off, and this is a new one that just broke yesterday, uh, researchers have found that an exploit on Android handsets that has existed since version 1.6, that's version Donut, um, puts 99.9% of all androids at risk. This exploit... Oh, geez, how to explain it? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. So, um, when, when an Android app is packaged through the Play Store, um, it's giving a cryptograph... It's, uh, they give it a cryptographic signature, which is basically a hash of all the code put together into kind of a digital fingerprint. Um, they came up with this method... Uh, uh, to give creators of apps a way to verify that the user actually paid for that app or downloaded it from the Play, the Play Store. Um, and, and so it's, in theory, a very secure way um, to have some sort of uh, DRM. The problem with that is uh, if that can be exploited, in which case someone found an exploit, if it can be exploited, that means anyone can inject any code anywhere into uh, any app, um, while ma- it, and as long as they maintain that cryptographic signature, uh, then as far as your Android goes and as far as Google Play goes, you still have a legitimate app that you downloaded and or bought. So getting around that that digital fingerprint, so to speak, uh, is an easy way for for malicious hackers to turn your phone into a basically a, either a botnet or call sniffer, password sniffer, things like that. Yeah, you can. So it can so get is, kind of scary. Is this something that that Android that that Android's going to have to correct or Google's going to correct or how is this going to be corrected? Yeah, well, they've they've corrected it already on a few devices. Um, the Samsung Galaxy S4 being one of the them. The Google Play um, edition I, of the S4. Right, and so I, and I, th- I think that um, was fixed by the manufacturer, uh, by Samsung. Um, overall, I think this will need to be fixed by Google. It'll be, need to be patched through through the actual Android operating systems. Um, but each each manufacturer and each uh, provider can issue fixes if they if they find them. Um, 
in the long run, I think the whole idea of the cryptographic sing- signature needs to be rethought out uh, because if you have if you have a key, even in real life, if you have a key, a method of making a key, but it can be exploited, what's the point of having that key? So somehow, somewhere, this theory is flawed, and they uh, they need to fix it. Yeah, it's might, the idea of like take a, a huge it's the greatest key ever created. I'm talking like an actual physical key. It's the most wonderful key ever created. It's so secure, it's so fast. And by the way, it's only three dollars to copy at Home Depot. Oh, well, <laughs> right. that's not very good then, is it? Now, somebody in the, in the comments section of this article that we're going to have linked in our show notes says the easy way around this is d- don't download from a non-trusted source. Yeah, is but... this a valid? Well, yeah, that that is kind of valid. If you if you only ever get things from the Google Play Store um, or or Android or the Amazon App Store, um, I consider those the most reputable sources. If you only ever get apps from those sources and never click on any ads um, uh, or or go to any questionable sites on your phone, you're probably safe from this exploit being used against you. However, um, that being said, many, many people do go... I mean, at work, I have an application I have to install on people's phones if they want to get our email, and it's an untrusted source. I know it's good, but, you know, if I have to do it... Right. Yeah, and that's where the danger is. Uh, uh, the reason why they call it an untrusted source is because it hasn't been um, it hasn't been double checked by a security team. When you put your your app through the Google Play Store, there is some sort of screening that goes on um, to to say that this app is a good app and it's not going to kill your phone. Um, however, that's not to say that um, any ads or external links on that app um, can lead to malicious code. So um, that's why I say, you know, yeah, any app you get on the Google Play Store is good as long as you don't click on the embedded ads or inter- external links. So. Right. So I was talking with a friend the other day, and he was talking about how hitting end on a phone conversation is not as uh, enjoyable as slamming the phone down when you want to hang up <laughs> on the person really bad. Somebody needs to write an app for that where it, it, it basically ends the conversation with a slam of some sort. You slam your phone. As long as you don't break your phone, right? <laughs> they don't make phones like they used to. Yeah, that, that'd be Well, you, you hit the button and it goes slam and, and cuts the conversation off. <laughs> it makes a slam sound. Yeah, you got to have some sort of physical feedback to get that, get that uh, satisfaction of hanging up on someone. <laughs> Just don't make. I'm going to the. Just make board. sure it doesn't destroy the phone in the process. And I mean by what I mean by that is I don't. I don't mean the actual physical. I mean with this exploit. Now I did read in here that if people want to have it fixed, it's looking like it's going to have to come from the manufacturer, not from Google. Now I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but that was the early reports when it came out yesterday. And if that's the case, that's a problem. Yeah. One person's suggestion, and again in the comments, is this is why I love BlackBerry. They obviously don't listen to the show. Uh, this yeah. is why I love BlackBerry. Not only is it not secu- not insecure, it's not updated at all. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is an update um, to this article saying that the, uh, according to a report in CIO, Google has already modified its Play Store apps entry process so that apps so the apps having been modified using this exploit are blocked and could no longer be distributed via play um, but i think that i don't think that's going to stop 90% of the uh, the problem because most of these um, most of the malicious code that that is in question here is injected into applications after they're already installed so We'll have to keep an eye on this one. De- definitely. Yeah. And the problem is, too, is I believe that if we uh, do see a fix come through, it's not going to be advertised. Your phone right. will just restart one day with a fix. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, look, you uh, you have an update. Yay. All right. Um, into some <laughs> NSA news. I know what we can't... We all can't stop talking about the NSA. We all love the NSA. I'm so sick and tired of this NSA crap. The NSA is still listening to us. <laughs> yes. Well, um, 
the issue is, however, is that the European Union has decided to, and I unfortunately I put this in here into the headlines without double checking. They voted yesterday of all days on what, whether or not to suspend relations with the U.S. in terms of data sharing. The NSA hasn't just been recording us; it's also been tracking European Union um, citizens. And the EU does not like that. The problem was, is if they could, if they suspended data sharing, that also includes like passenger manifests. And if they suspend that, that means no more international flights between the U.S. and Europe. Yes, the Europeans are very, very big on their privacy. Which is funny because guess what we found out yesterday? That France has their very own Prism-style listening system. Now, of course, it could be argued, and really it should be argued, that it's one thing to be doing that to your own people. For instance, the the European Union wouldn't care. They wouldn't care one bit if NSA is listening to us. It's because they're listening to them that they're having a problem. Right. Which I I understand at that (laughs) point. You know, it's like, yeah, you're you're not supposed to. That's bad. It's really going to be interesting to see how this whole thing unfolds because, unfortunately, it's we're not done. We're not at the end of talking about this. I'm pretty sure we'll probably be having a couple more months of discussion on this. Yeah, I'm trying to find an update here to see whether or not they actually did. Uh, I'm not finding anything because, of course, I'm well prepared for this. <laughs> now, World's most professional podcast. Now, of course, everyone's favorite uh, modern-day Carmen San Diego. Uh, has been bouncing around uh, Edward Snowden, the whistleblower who first brought everyone's attention to this. And currently, I guess he just got offered a uh, political asylum in Venezuela. Which, hey, if you're, and Nicaragua. if you're going to be running for the rest of your life, that's not a bad place to, to end up. You know, I do have to say that when even Vladimir Putin says, stop releasing secrets, you know something's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, hmm. you gotta think. Yeah, I would hate to be that guy right now because you're just in hot water everywhere you go, and no one wants to touch you with a ten meter cattle prod. Nope. <laughs> no comment. Ghostbusters <laughs> joke falls completely flat. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Did you tell him about the Twinkie cricket? Um, okay, by the way, speaking of uh, NSA info, a person, and I forget his name because I didn't put it in the notes here, but it has been actually, um, oh, sorry, Sebastian Sadowski uh, went in and used the Google Transparency Report, which, by the way, is, normally reads like stereo instructions. It's impossible to make heads or tails of. And he made this really, really awesome infographic. No, that's the wrong word for it. It's, a, it's an interactive chart where along the bottom of it you can see all the different countries and they're layered by percentage of internet users. So up at the top is Norway who's 94, uh, 94% of their population is internet connected and at the bottom is Timor Leste I think with 1%. And you can then see and compare who has the most requests per year to block certain things. And even breaks it out by blogger, web search, Google Images, YouTube, Gmail, AdWords, Street View, different stuff. Guess who's the number one n- amount of blockers or block requests? It's not the U.S. Brazil. It's Brazil, surprisingly. Six hundred and ninety-seven requests, which is funny because Brazil only falls like less than halfway down the list of actual internet countries. At the top of the list was Norway with 94% of their population, and they only had uh, eight requests in two years. Looking at this list, I'm surprised that India is only at 10% of Internet users. I thought they'd have a whole heck of a lot more. By this list, the United States actually falls about where you would expect with 321 requests between July and December of 2012. Uh, That's 927 overall in the last two years. Uh, Brazil was 1,500 in the last two years, just so, just for comparison. So United States is isn't second; it, it's second, but 
there's a big gap there. I found this really, really surprising to see just who didn't really care. Now, of course, down at the bottom, the 1%, uh, Timor Leste, with 1% of their population online, only had one request in two years, and it was a blog uh, for defamation. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of odd to see what people are asking to be blocked. Uh, worrisome is the suicide promotion. One one country asked, no, no, please block this because it's promoting suicide and we don't like that. Yeah, you gotta block that, I guess. <laughs> Surprising, I don't see um, Nazi on here. Remember Germany? Yeah, like, we're, we're, where's France? <laughs> <laughs> no, you remember Germany a few months ago had to block that Twitter account that was pro-Nazi? Oh, yeah. That would either go into religious offense or hate speech, um, depending on... Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess it's not... Uh, or defamation, depending. Yeah, it's not uh, national security or trademark. And I would hope it's not adult could, content. Could be other. We don't other. Violence. <laughs> other equals Nazi. <laughs> We're huge in Germany, by the way. Kind of like uh, the Hasselhoff, huh? Another team at MIT uh, instead decided to take a look at it from a different um, idea. If you go and sign up and enter in your email information, yes, I know that sounds like you're just ready to be hacked, but it is an MIT research thing, and it's an automated algorithm. It will scour your metadata the same way the NSA does, and in the end, tell you how you look to them basically what they see now it's uh, really 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 busy right now so you can sign up for it to see when when it's available but it's really kind of cool to see how everything's linked and what's looking at metadata who you're contacting how often you're contacting across which regions you're talking to who they're talking to in that same kind of way and, and how everyone connects together which pornographic websites you're going to no no it's just email it's just connections through your uh, through your correspondence hmm, interesting so and that's really what the NSA is interested in supposedly I don't know <laughs> if I believe him you know I don't believe him I'll be honest I don't believe him but I don't really care either good point well unless you're willing to go and do a Snowden you're not going to be able to do anything about it anyway yeah I can go up to the data center here in Utah and pray that God curses the water that goes in there. Did you hear about that? Oh, jeez, I did hear. I heard there was something about a curse, but I didn't know it was about the water. Ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I'm sorry. We Utahns were kind of crazy. Um, I guess during a protest <laughs> during a protest yesterday, during the 4th of July, at a Take Back the 4th event, yes, that is what they called it, um... A protest broke out in front of the new NSA data center we have out in Bluffdale, and people were calling on God to curse the electricity and the water going into the data center. They weren't holding, like, colored signs, were they? It's like we got our very own Westboro Baptist Church. It was... I... <laughs> First off, take back the fourth. Who are you taking it back from? I mean, hold a protest if you want to, but cursing the water? No, yeah, that's going to make people take you seriously. No, not even cursing the water. Asking God to curse the water. Yeah, again, that's, that's not going to make people take you seriously. I'm sorry. I mean, if you, it, it, the, the NSA thing is a very serious thing, as we've discussed before. Yeah. And as a lot of people are discussing right now. But we need to come up with real practical solutions, not, oh, God, please help us. Yeah, I... I'm sorry, God helps those who helps themselves. We, we, often, don't, we, we don't, often don't talk religion here on the show because we're a tech podcast. We're not a religion podcast. But this would be the equivalent of saying, no sopa pippa, and protesting it by holding up a Jesus died for your sins poster. <laughs> it has nothing to right. do with the other, you know? Jesus died for your gigabytes. <laughs> what would Jesus do? Well, he sure wouldn't pass Sopa Pippa. Think about it. Mm. Oh, this is what happens when Zoner isn't on the show. We go straight to Jesus and Nazis. Zoner would be correcting this too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least we haven't mentioned to shoot the president. Um, oh, dang it. 
Microsoft decided <laughs> to uh, announce some something kind of surprising just today, just this morning. If we weren't recording on Friday, we would have missed this. But TechNet, which has been their long-running subscription service, if you signed up for TechNet, you got all sorts of software for basically free. It's quite awesome. They are phasing it out. Which is too bad. Now, was there a reason why they're phasing it out? You know, I just I think their new model of distrib- their new distribution model for software basically phases it out on its own. It's just kind of redundant to that point. Yeah, it used to be if if you were subscribed to TechNet, uh, their their MSDN subscription, you could pay six hundred dollars a year and uh, have unlimited access to any operating system of theirs you wanted to download and and have up to 25 keys at your disposal, I think it was, um, which is great for developers and or um, you know technicians that that need testing or or anything like that. Um, and so it's it's a great it's a great it's very cost effective. However, now with their new models of Windows 8 um, and the, and new Windows servers, where upgrades are now going to be free and or cheaper. It kind of defeats the purpose to have something like this. Yeah. So. According to the article, it says they're no longer going to take any new subscriptions after August 31st, and the subscription service will shut down as the current subscribers' contracts end. So, just kind of an FYI there. Which is too bad. I mean, most people probably won't care, but I use TechNet like crazy. It is the easiest way to get legitimate software I technically didn't have to pay for. Which I know what that makes me sound like, and yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, mo- most people that were using this um, either got the, the subscription through uh, an employer or school, and so most people didn't pay for this. It was their employer or their, their school institution that was paying for it. So, yeah, most, most people would be upset about this because... For for two years that I was going to school, I got free software. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that through school. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I always got it from employers. <laughs> okay, um, into HP news. This one surprised me. HP announced again. I think no, this was a couple days ago. They announced that they're going to get back into the smartphone business. And they are promising us a quote-unquote unique phone experience. Now, if you'll remember, we gave HP a lot of flack. We, us and the rest of the world, really. Uh, because they, uh, they bought Palm. They announced the Palm Pre and the WebOS toolkit. And then they killed it. That was, that was my favorite name of model of phone. The HP Palm Pre 3. <laughs> Because there's Say so many times e. fast. HP Palm Pre 3. Yeah. Glee! <laughs> oh, boy. What's that line from Happy Gilmore? Want to roll in the hay? I just may. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder what their definition of unique is going to be. Well, hopefully it yeah, means good, be- which I would like to remind people these buzzwords could mean anything. Unique. This one, you shove up your nose. It doesn't mean good. Instead of, instead of rounded corners, we're going to have hexagonal corners. That's unique. This one's shaped like a knife. You hold it right up to your face. Yep. It's unique. <laughs> I don't know. I they're, Okay. Chances are good it's going to be Android, right? Yeah. Because this is HP. Possibly. They're in money trouble. They're probably not going to jump on the Windows Phone bandwagon because they look at it and, frankly, they see, well, there's no money to be made there. Uh, obviously, they can't they, do iOS. They still own the rights to Palm. Yeah, but WebOS is now open source, <laughs> and no one has used a phone like that for at least three years. WebOS S is open source, but Palm OS is still closed, has been for the past ten years. Yeah, but they haven't used it. Even when no, they brought out maybe the pre, been, they didn't use it. They might be uh, developing in the background. We don't know. No, not them. I, <laughs> I'll bet money that they've let that falter because they simply didn't have the money to keep development up. They obviously can't go oh, iOS. They used to do Windows Mobile back in the day, but like I said, they're not probably not going to go to Windows Phone. That leaves Android. If I had to guess, I'd say they're looking at the uh, huge 
piece of the pie that Samsung has all to itself, and they're thinking, ooh, well, I could make money like that. Here's the problem. No, no, you can't. H- Samsung could do it. <laughs> HTC has one of the best Android phones ever made with the HTC One, and they can't make money in the Android market. Nope. So, I don't know. I don't think... I mean, if they're going to do it, they're going to do Android, and they're probably going to think they're going for a flagship phone that we will never see in the U.S., and they're just going to release a whole bunch of cheap Huawei knockoffs. I don't know. Am I being too unkind, or...? No, I, I, I don't think you're unkind at all. It, coming out saying you're going to give a, a, a unique experience in the phone market today is is setting yourself up setting yourself up for disaster. If they hadn't said anything and come out with something, chances are they would have done really well. But since they're coming out saying this is a unique experience, it's they're shooting their sem- themselves. They're, in the they're foot setting themselves they the up to be just uh, heckled, just like Apple was heckled in the uh, in the uh, HTC commercials. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. This one's a rotary. Galaxy it plugs into a wall. <laughs> this is unique. <laughs> yep. You must crank this one for power. <laughs> well, see, I, the, all we can do now is speculate, and uh, right now the speculation does not paint a good picture. Now, so. did they even say when we can expect this? Nope. No, it's it's just... Hmm. I'm guessing we won't hear anything by the it end of the year. It was the senior director of consumer PCs and tablets for Asia Pacific, Yam Su Yin, who told the Indian Express, I'm going to guess that this is going to get chalked up to one executive shooting his mouth off and we never see it again. Or if we do, it's going to be a couple of years down the line and it's not going to be anything that we expect. Or it's not going to be available in the U.S.? Well, yeah, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. HP's old Windows Mobile line, like the really high-end stuff that came out like five years ago, never made it to the U.S. The one market that was really waiting for it. Yeah. So. And the one market it would have done a lot better in. <laughs> well, you know, HP is nothing if not very, very smart business decisions, right? <laughs> this is when we cue the canned laugh track. <laughs> Where's Zoner and his laughing? Now, um, he does laugh a lot, doesn't he? He is our laugh track, yes. That could be their show title, too. And admittedly, I do kind of feel lost without someone telling me, you know, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, Now, okay, Tim Schafer, who's kind of a legend amongst video gamers, for reasons I will admit I don't really see, he made um, Psychonauts, and he made a whole bunch of other beloved games. But, you know, so did John Romero and... We, we know what happened with him. Anyway, his company, Double Fine, came out uh, about a year and a half ago and went on Kickstarter and talked about, hey, we're trying to raise $40,000, and if we can, we want to release an indie game in six months and release it out to you guys. Well, this was kind of the snowball that started the avalanche of indie game funding through Kickstarter. They didn't make $40,000. They made $3 million. Well, here we are a year and a half later. No game. No game at all. Supposedly there is half a game that will be released through Steam to to backers of the Kickstarter project. It's not at all complete. It doesn't look that way. And it's kind of making people wonder exactly what happened here. Now, from what I've read, there's two ways to look at this. One is that there was this complete and absolute cluster duck up at the top highest levels and everything was mismanaged the expectations weren't realistic everything was wrong which is the side I would tend to go to but then again I'm not in game development the other side says well you know if he had only had a $40,000 budget he probably would have released that $40,000 game but then it went to $3 million and he felt he had to deliver on a $3 million game which takes much more development. Yeah. So in Kickstarter, you can't put um, uh, like a maximum number 
Well, why? For a number of donations. Why would you? Kickstarter doesn't even say you have to complete on your promise. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's, it's an I, honor I, system after that. Because actually, yeah, I, I could see that type of pressure being there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got $3 million that I've got to... I have to deliver I've got to yeah. pony up for now. Yeah, I've got I've to deliver for now. You know, it's almost like an athlete suddenly being paid a lot more than he's really worth, and suddenly he's he's trying to overdo it, and suddenly can't. And and yeah. maybe that's what happened here. I don't know. I, I I don't have any inside knowledge on the situation, but I could very easily see that. Yeah, he's trying to over deliver. And I I think in this situation, um, personally, uh, I would have come out with the original planned app or game. And then use the rest of the money to come out with future updates or start a company. <laughs> kind of like what Mojang did with, with Minecraft. Now they've got two more titles in the works. So it's kind of tough to know what to do when you're when you're an indie developer anyway. That's very true. And uh, getting this much bandwidth through, through a Kickstarter campaign is daunting at first. And most people wouldn't know what to do with that much money anyway. And you give a, a developer that much money, and who knows, you know? Go nuts. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of parts of game development I will not claim to understand. That's why I'm not a game developer. You know? But, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. This this smacks of mismanagement to me. But, you know, like Schmitty, like you said, like other people said, maybe it's just simply he had to redo his expectations because he got so much more money. I don't know. All I know is people don't seem to ever want to uh, second guess him. They love Tim Schafer, probably much the same way many of us love Joss Whedon. Um, I just simply don't see it. I worry that all that money is gone. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the guy who does those fable ones. What's his name? Uh, Jeez. The fable games? Yeah, who did that? He's a sir guy. Yahtzee's always making fun of him on Zero Punctuation. Anyway, he's always promising like the next big thing, the next huge thing. It's going to be all this stuff. And half the time, whatever he's talking about never comes to fruition. And the other half the time... Yeah, Peter Molyneux. And the other half the time, it never looks like what it was he was promising. Right. (laughs) So... Yeah, well, and this wouldn't be the first time that um, a game... Of all things, an indie game was funded on a, on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, and the developer hasn't um, matched their promise yet. So, this just happens to be one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, uh, switching to something we found out just uh, just tonight, actually, as we were prepping for the show. So it's not actually in the headlines. We'll add it though. Uh, news has come forth that Google may have tried to pay AdBlock, the company who makes AdBlock Pro not to block their Google ads. Now, if this is the well, case... considering that's how they make their money, yeah. <laughs> if this is the case, it is the worst possible job because my ad block still blocks Google ads. Unless they haven't implemented the fix yet. <laughs> now, strangely... I, Google, this is coming out of just a just a rumor that's been uh, that's been put off to some other tech blog whose name I don't even recognize. But if this is the case, it could signal that Google has been less than forthcoming and a little bit maybe more evil than they usually are about their advertising practices. Now, this is no surprise to a lot of us. Google had to pay that money. Remember when they were advertising drugs in other countries? Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, oops, big oops. Um, Google's ads always cross all sorts of lines for a whole bunch of different reasons. It usually thinks like the, it, it, it seems like they usually just try and make money first and think about it later. However, it, supposedly AdBlock Pro also has a or AdBlock AdBlock Plus. Wow, that's a hard name to say. Has a public whitelist that you can put ads that don't break the internet, which I would personally put Google ads into that category, and that's free. So I'm not really sure how accurate this rumor is or how much water it carries. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to say because, I mean, Google, 
Well, Google Google makes most of their profit off of ads. Um, they also make profit off of ad blockers that are sold through the Google Play Store. <laughs> so, um, granted, not not as much as, as their ads are making, um, but it kind of gives you a an idea of the, the method to their madness. One makes more money, so have one favor the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in any case, it's uh, it's a little bit weird that way. Uh, speaking of weird, how about some Apple news? That's weird. This is kind of strange. When I was reading the article, I'm like, what the? This isn't really strange. This is par for the course for Apple. You crazy, crazy, glorious bastards, you. Um, Apple is trying to patent something they didn't make or innovate or were the first ones to market with. Uh, we all know Waze. We talk about Waze quite frequently. Waze is a GPS we app. We love Waze. We love Waze. Waze is a GPS navigation app for your mobile phone, now on pretty much every uh, platform, and it takes social um, statistics of its users to find traffic, police officers, cars on the side of the road, hazards in the road, and it uses all that data and compiles it, so when you're on your commute, you know exactly how long it's going to take you, and you know everything that's ahead of you. Well, Waze, I want to say, was the first to market with that particular feature. Google Maps quickly took over with it as well with the traffic view. Um, and then Apple Maps came out as well. Nokia Maps did it as well. Well, Apple's trying to patent it like they made it or something. Is this a troll situation? I, I would definitely say so. Considering Google Maps had it on iOS before Apple even had an Apple Maps app. Yeah. So we need a judge in Texas to throw this out. No, a judge in Texas would let it pass. Wasn't there? A, what, didn't we have an article about a judge in Texas yeah. who actually called out patent trolls? A single one. Typically, they go to West we Texas. Need that judge. Yeah, we need that one. So, technically, most um, Western Texas judges have been quick to let them slide. Is the problem? So. I don't know what Apple's thinking on this one. There's no way they can patent it. They know they weren't the first to market with it because it used to be on their phone from someone else. And now that Google just, and now that Google Maps is back, it's once again on their phone. But they gotta do it. They've they've been doing this since day one, trying to steal other people's stuff. Well, they've always stolen other people's ideas. Yeah. It's Friday, so it's time to sue someone. <laughs> It's the obligatory <laughs> patent application. <laughs> That's funny because I, I started listening to the audiobook of Steve Jobs' biography, and whether he knew it or not, that was one of his mantras. He would always pass off things that other people did as his own work, while keeping other people's beliefs, or well, helping others maintain their belief that they were the ones that did it. So. It's kind of interesting how that's passed through, even even postmortem. That the uh, just that philosophy, that 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 just the that culture there. I don't know if this goes through. I'm going to be really upset. Remember when they tried to patent the idea of a touchscreen? Was that six months ago? <laughs> and they yeah. tried to claim everyone that they were the ones who invented the touchscreen. Everyone's like, um. Maybe the, not. The rectangular with rounded corners. Yeah. <laughs> we invented the shape rectangle with rounded corners. No, no. Yeah. Uh, kid and play did. <laughs> we we invented using the mouse. No, that was uh, somebody else. That was Atari. <laughs> Speaking of the mouse, um, Doug Engelbart. You may not recognize him by name, but you know his work. The inventor of the computer mouse passed away this week. At uh, the ripe old age, what was it, 88? Yep, 88. Uh, to the article. Yep, he died of natural causes. Yep, 88. Can you imagine what what the computer world would be like right now without his contribution? We'd be using joysticks. We'd be using trackballs. <laughs> oh, I oh, hate trackballs. <laughs> Everyone except for drafters hate trackballs. And a co-worker I have, but he's a little bit weird in the head. <laughs> there's always one per company. Yeah, there's right? always one. <laughs> Everyone knows one trackball user. Well, speaking of patents, the original patent he put on this mouse only had a 17-year lifespan. 
Mm-hmm. So basically, the, the mouse technology passed into public domain in 1987. So he patented this thing back in 1960. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, computers just weren't uh, ready to take that level of input yet. There was oh, no real point. Me. I guess it'd be 1970. My math is wrong. This is why we don't do the accounting stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't handle the spreadsheets. <laughs> Isn't one of For us... Sure, a... talk about stocks. <laughs> oh, yeah, no joke. Um, anyway, shout out to him, wherever he is. You know, drink a 40 for him. Pour it on the ground. 21 right-click salute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that. 21-click salute. <laughs> that was good. Um, into our talking point. We haven't done a talking point in a long while. Well, three weeks, I guess. Um, and this one comes to us from a video that actually has been floating around for a little while. Uh, the question it raises has been floating around for even longer. The video is um, it's an interview. Uh, it's like a con, rather. Adam Savage from the Mythbusters is answering questions about a mythical myth that they tried to uh, debunk. And it was, how easy is it to hack or intercept an RFID chip? Well, as it turns out, in the video, he explains to the con members that they did that. And they found out how easy it was. They filmed it all. Everything was ready. And Didn't they put, like, one in Carrie's arm or something? And then they got a call. From Texas Instrument, the maker of RFID chips. Oh, and the legal team for Discover Card, and American Express, and Visa, and MasterCard. And they kind of convinced Discovery Channel not to air this. So there is an actual censored Mythbusters episode that we will never see. The reason being is, of course, it was found to be very, very, very easy to intercept and read RFID information, even when you didn't expect so. Now, I personally think I know which myth it was they were testing, because I've seen this myth. I've heard of it. I've never seen it actually work, but I've seen enough newscasters claim to be doing it on the street. You know, those, those news segments. I went down and interviewed 12 people. The idea is, is that a survey taker is standing there with like a clipboard. Behind the clipboard, unbeknownst to you, is an RFID reader, and by them just standing there, Within that proximity, supposedly taking questions, they're scanning you with this RFID reader and returning back your credit card numbers. I've per- and or office access information. Yeah, I have personally never seen this happen. That's not to say I don't believe it could happen or that it's impossible. Of course, anything's possible. I'm just saying I've never actually seen one of these news segments. I've never actually seen it happen. But everyone claims that you know every newscaster has done this at some point. That being said, uh, I believe that this is very, very, very real. I also believe that's probably why Discovery Channel had to axe the segment. Yeah, it, it is. It is very real. I've been able to play with uh, some RFID readers and some RFID programmable chips. Um, I don't have one yet for my Arduino, but I will be getting one soon, just for some projects I'm working on around the house. But um, just in testing the RFI readers with um, with our office access badges at, at work, we were able to to read in plain text our access numbers on the badge um, and which doors we have access to. And it's it's plain text. It's not it's not encrypted. Um, now, and I I think we should backstep just a little bit and explain to listeners in case they're unaware what exactly is RFID good point radio frequency was it ID tag yeah identification an RFID tag is the idea that it mm -hmm, how do I put this well it's basically a little tiny chip that sends out a little radio signal kind of of what it is. I mean, if you if you've walked through, if you see anybody walk through one of those devices and it causes the alarm to go off, it's kind of the very very basic version. Right, right. So, what an RFID tag? So, take your office. If you have an office access badge um, that you use to 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 swipe in to get into work, and you hear, you know you swipe it on this tag on the wall, and you hear a beep. Um, or just that's using in front of the thing. Yeah, that's using RFID. The card in your hand isn't actually powered at all. It do- doesn't have any sort of batteries or anything. Um, uh, but the the reader that you swipe it up against 
is powered and it's actually sending out a frequency, a radio frequency. Um, and when your card gets close enough to that radio frequency, it activates enough power inside your your card, your access card, to transmit back to the reader its uh, its access code or the and information this, that has on that chip. And this is how we can do the tap touch purchasing that you've probably seen at some different stores, right? Kind yeah. of. Yeah, NFC NFC on phones use the same types of protocols. Um, it, they are a lot more secure. Well, because they are. No, I was talking about the cards themselves, not the phones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cards themselves. Yeah, the, the cards, anything like those tap to pay, touch to pay, whatever things, use RFID. And like Schmidt said, it, the the radio frequency goes out, it kind of pings the RFID tag, and the RFID tag returns back a static set of information. Now, as we found out, possibly on the Mythbusters episode we'll never see, it takes very little of that frequency to get information back. It's like everything's just giving the information up for free. How this is different than than NFC or near-field communication you'll hear on a lot of phones, a lot of phones will have an RFID tag in them, but what they're giving off is simply the Bluetooth information for a secured transfer, which means... Like, I have NFC in my phone. It, this is going to sound really, really funny, I realize, but bear with me. My kids <laughs> have Skylanders. Skylanders is a video game by Activision where you place your little monster on a portal of power, quote-unquote, and it reads which monster this is, and it lets you play the game. Well, the portal of power is an RFID reader, and in the base of each of these little monsters is an RFID tag. Now, if I put one of those monsters, and I found this out by accident, if I put one of those monsters on the back of my phone, my phone goes crazy because it sees an RFID tag. So it's trying to sync to it using NFC. Problem there? (laughs) There's no NFC to talk back to it. It requires an actual handshake. It's actually much more secure. That being said, NFC isn't real popular yet. RFID tags are still being used pretty much everywhere, even when you don't know it. I didn't know it, but my debit card has an RFID tag. It's not advertised on it. It's not active anywhere I go. I tried, I've tried to pay things with it, and the only reason I even know it's there is because I accidentally rested it on my phone and heard my phone go nuts trying to read it. <laughs> but that's kind of worrying to me. It was right there in my card, and I had no idea. Yeah. Now, the idea, this idea of wirelessly transmitting information is kind of the future. And if RFID... <laughs> kind of. It's the present. <laughs> yeah. But if RFID yeah. is so unsecure, what, where does that lead us? Most people don't even know how unsecure it is or how much it is yeah. they're broadcasting walking down the street. It's kind of like when, when RFID was developed, I want to say 25, 30 years ago, um, they were going under the impression that it was going to be secure by obscurity. Security by obscurity. We've heard that before. Basically meaning that it's going to be secure because no one else is going to know that this device is RFID or no one else is going to be able to afford the readers. And at the time, that was true. You couldn't get a reader for under $3,000 and you could only get the reader if you were a licensed security manufacturer or, you know... XYZ corporation with security clearance or whatever. Uh, so at that time when it was created and throughout the next couple decades, there wasn't it wasn't reasonable for a regular consumer like you or me to get a reader. But now you can go online and pick up a reader, a USB reader for twenty bucks, fifteen bucks. So the question I have, because uh, I'm pretty sure somebody else has probably seen the same commercial or maybe seen the same product as you've gone through some of the different stores. The Aluma wallets mm-hmm. are supposedly they're supposed to be able to block these RFID signals and protect your cards from these external readers. What does it take to block one of these signals? I mean, I know there's the, I know there's those places that the uh, some of the stores that says do not place your credit cards in this area. On, on the that, table because it will zap your your card. It's not zapping. Uh, that area is magnetized. So what it's saying yeah. is don't place it there because it'll destroy the magnetic strip in your cards. However, those little wallets actually do block a lot of RFID signal because it's just it's like a Faraday cage. It's not yeah, grounded. It's using mesh. But yeah, a, a wire mesh would work. But the question is bigger than that, I think, personally. 
because yeah right now we have our debit cards and our credit cards with RFID tags but people have always been talking about putting them in your arm you know so you have your insurance information so if ever you're in an accident and you're unconscious all the paramedics have to do is when you're in the ambulance run a scanner over you and they know your name your address your next of kin your emergency contact your insurance information I put one in the back of my cat's neck 10 years ago so if ever he ran away and was picked up, the shelter could scan him, and they knew who he was registered to. This isn't new now, tech. You can, use it, you can use it to verify that he's still where you buried him. Yeah. Yep, he's still there. Yeah, well, he's very <laughs> dead now. But, you know, this isn't new tech, and it's supposedly supposed to get to the point where it's handling a lot more information than just what's in our wallets. But if it's so... Low, if it's so unsecure, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, because they've been wanting to put these. I mean, I know that when I get by certain things and I see the little tags in there, like in my DVDs and my in my Blu-rays and stuff like that, I usually rip some of those out because it's mine. It's, I don't want to keep it, but I know that they've been wanting to make these things, or they have made these RFID tags so small that they're going to be embedded in these small cards, embedded in, in these areas, so they can actually keep track of not only merchandise that's going out of the store, but if you're going to return merchandise, you know, a sweater or something to that effect, they can go ahead and keep track of that. Oh, this is who the previous owner was. This is why it was returned. It was defective. And supposedly it was good on their side to, you know, keep track of these certain things. But, again, it's almost like, kind of like almost the NSA tracking everything, we're now getting down to the point of where businesses are tracking everything too, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and 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 I don't know if I really want to wear RFID clothing uh, and have it follow me around everywhere I go. I mean, I remember an old commercial about 10, 15 years ago where this guy is walking through the store and just putting stuff in his pockets, and as he walks out of the, up past the scanner, all of a sudden the the security guard's like, hey, wait a second, and the guy turns around and the guy says, here, you forgot your receipt because the RFID readers and all the stuff he put in his pockets was purchased as he walked through the scanner. Oh, I remember that, yeah. That was supposed to be like the future of shopping. Well, if, if that's not it, then are we looking at NFC? Is that the future of a passable information? Or, I mean, what are we looking at here? I Personally, I... I don't know, I was just going to say, personally, I think anything that transmits wirelessly is going to be unsecure. I think that in the future we should have almost a handshake style. Like, if I give you a business card or if I give you a card, that gives you the information. And if I don't give you a card, you don't get the information. I mean, I, that's kind of an old school comparison. But I think it's apt. No one has your information unless you give them your card. I think if yeah. more people know about this and the public becomes more aware of the fact that this is going to be, it wasn't an issue 25 years ago because like what Schmitty said, but it's becoming more of an issue now because of the update of technology, the credit card companies and the other, the other industries that vastly use this are going to have to invest in increasing the security on this type of a system. Yeah. Some, yeah, something's going to need to change. Unfortunately, um, the the old RFID technology, I say old, but it's, it's current, the old RFID standard is so widely spread now that it's so hard for them to change it without implement without giving a lot of people a heartburn, heartache. Yeah, no, so, I, I get you on that one. It took them so long to implement it, and now it's, that it's implemented everywhere, no one wants to drop it. So that's a problem. Uh, what are your thoughts? We want to know. Feedback at stolendroids.com. Uh, are you worried about NFC? Or, or if you, Are you worried about RFID being in your wallet? If you are, what, do you, what steps do you go to protect yourself from it? What do you think the future holds for it? I uh, want to give a shout-out back to one of our previous headlines before we go into our favorites. I forgot to bring up this whole NSA PRISM deal. Uh, one unexpected uh, thing that's come up that people are actually having major issues with foreigners wow that sounded weird uh people in other countries are suddenly shying away from cloud-based services based in the u.s people don't want to use microsoft SkyDrive. they've stopped using icloud box and dropbox services are suddenly the subscribers aren't signing in anymore and many people are saying it's people in other countries worried about the u.s looking through their stuff 
So it's kind of an unintended consequence, an unintended little fallout there. And I don't know, maybe it'll affect the cloud, the cloud infrastructure going forward, the environment. I've kind of always had that concern about the cloud, though. I've I've never really, I never really thought the cloud was the final final solution, or what's the word I'm looking for? Final uh, technological solution towards a mass. Let's just make sure you don't uh, put your shoot the president document in there, and you'll be fine. No, no, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I didn't think it was a, it was it was a, it was a final technological solution for final for mass frontier. storage and and, and and widely accessible storage. The, I thought there would be something else out there, but I don't know what it is. The final countdown. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, and I did, and I said it anyway. Anyway, you set them up, but I knocked them down. Into our favorites. Uh, my favorite's a little bit unusual for me. I hate spiders. I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. But a company has come out with a 3D printer and using this really, really, really awesome 3D movement technique um, uh, called the Inverse Kinematics Engine, uh, and this is being used in other robotics too, have come out with a printed spider. It's $1,300. It can be controlled by remote. You can wire your own controller to it. It moves like real. Now, why did I put this as my favorite when I hate spiders? Well, because it's really, really awesome, actually. And that a, well, and that a robot, a 3D printed robot can do this with only 26 servo motors and move rather quickly and look so lifelike. I think these guys should get in touch with NASA. I personally think NASA should get a whole bunch of these, land them next time they have a rover and use them as scouts. And then when robots become sentient and kill us, you can all come back and yell at me because I suggested that we all have <laughs> robot assassin spiders. It won't be I was gonna say, be stuck get, on Mars. <laughs> if you get if you get bit by a robot three D printed robot spider, do you become the three D printed robot spider man? <laughs> you, you get a computer virus. <laughs> but a bump. You, you blue screen every once in a while, like mid swing. <laughs> <laughs> You know the the worst thing about being a 3D printed Robo Spider-Man? Having to pay for new web cartridges. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so funny. But no, really, Uh, HP, you suck. I hate your ink cartridges. (laughs) All right, who's next? All right, uh, Zoner's next, but he's not here, so I'll go ahead and take the next one. Um, We have discussed various movies in the past, you discuss movies with your coworkers, uh, with your friends, with your family. And usually, when a new non-Marvel movie is coming out, because you never walk out of a Marvel movie until you sit to the end of the credits. But usually, when a new movie comes out, let's take for example the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger's just come out. A lot of people are going to say, "Well, you went and saw it, okay? Do I have to sit to the end of the credits for something special, or can I just leave when the credits start?" That's usually become a brand new series of questions now. Well, there's a website out there that one of my coworkers actually informed me about. Um, it does reviews, it does other things that, that, that as well, but this special thing that Media Stinger does, MediaStinger.com does, is they actually tell you, are there extra scenes while the credits are rolling? Are there extra scenes after the credits? And so this way you can find out if you need to sit for the end of the movie or not. And usually somebody who, who sees what happens is, is somebody who sees the movie in advance actually posts their, one of the first people who posts there says, yes, there is extra stuff here. Stay, or there's only stuff during the credits, or you only have to stay for so long and the like. And they do the same thing for DVDs and a few other things as well. So if you've ever wondered about it, mediastinger.com. It's very helpful. <laughs> I'll definitely get the app for that too. Um, so my favorite uh, comes from Ted. Uh, we all love Ted. Some of their talks can get pretty lengthy, but uh, they have a segment now on YouTube. Uh, it's a short segment. I think there's five videos or six videos um, on if superpowers were real. They go through um, five different uh, superhero powers and go through the, the real-life physics on them. On, on If they were real, what would be the advantages and or disadvantages um, they're very informative and entertaining. They do it in a comic book style format. So um, I really enjoyed watching them. My favorite is the invisibility one. They bring up the idea that if you were invisible, you also would not be able to see. 
you would be blind in, effectively because the ability to see means that light is bouncing off the back of your retina. Well, if you're invisible, light is not bouncing off any part of your body. Therefore, you'd be blind. <laughs> so it, just things like that. Uh, check check out all the videos. They're they're pretty short um, and entertaining. Excellent. Well, I know what I'm doing tonight instead of sleeping. <laughs> That is our show this week. Again, check out our sponsors. Let us know what you think, what you want to hear more about. Uh, find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Do something to our Google Plus page, because I don't think anyone has yet. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. And one to beam up. 